Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Season Gaming Bitcast. This is going to be episode four officially. Uh, I'm your host, Ainsley Bowden, joined by Bert Sines, as usual. Hey, everybody. So today we're going to be covering the news like normal. Uh, we're going to also touch on the pre-E3 trivia that we did a couple weeks ago and see how we all fared. We'll have uh, Jordan Simmons back on to, to talk through that. He's also going to join us for our main topic tonight, which is going to be uh, you know the PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, and those kind of new uh, new take on the console releases from Microsoft and Sony. And then uh, we'll wrap it up as we usually do with some look at some classic games we love and um, you know um, some of the collectibles we may have picked up recently. So let's uh, let's get right into the news. We've got a probably pretty long show for you today, so we'll uh, we'll get right to it. So. Biggest thing in the news uh, this past week kind of created a whole stir pretty much across the world uh, was the SNES Classic. And uh, just want to, before we even get into the news, I want to make sure that no one says SNES because that is, um, that's cause for just uh, having you not listen to the BitCast anymore um, because it is definitely SNES. <laughs> there's there's no real discussion to be had here, okay? I just want to be clear. So um, <laughs> the SNES Mini, uh, we... <laughs> We um, we kind of predicted it, of course. I think a lot of people did. Um, I think this is fantastic. The SNES is one of my favorite consoles of all time. It may even be my favorite console of all time. I love the 16-bit era. I think that that era was fantastic. What the Genesis and SNES uh, brought in terms of kind of having those 2D games, but you know, really with a lot more polish than the 8-bit era. Um, is great, and the lineup on this thing is just amazing. Honestly, I, there's 21 games when you include Star Fox 2, which we'll touch on. Um, but I mean, Final Fantasy 3 and Secret of Mana and Super Metroid and Mario World and and Yoshi's Island and I mean, they just go on and on. All these games are some of the biggest classics of all time, and some of them, if you went to you know go and buy the uh, cartridge for Super Nintendo, like Earthbound, are just astronomical, you know, in pricing. So. This is great, you know. Seventy nine ninety nine comes with two controllers this time. Uh, thankfully, the cords are a little longer, though still short at five feet, I believe it is. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I think this is this is really really cool. What do you think, Bert? Yeah, I, I honestly can't wait either. Um, I would say the SNES versus Sega Genesis. Um, that that whole battle was amazing. There was so much software that came out between the two of them, and I I was a Super Nintendo guy at that time. My parents wouldn't let me get a Genesis because of all the quote violence that existed back then and i had a great time with it um i am super excited about it i just hope it doesn't become impossible to get like the nes mini was that was impossible and i, I tried on a number of occasions to go just to retail um could never get one but yeah the, the software is insane um i think someone actually tried to calculate how much it would cost to get these not including Star Fox 2 um and i think it was north of 650 dollars um <laughs> if you try to find the cartridges and getting them complete with manuals even more than that so uh, awesome value. I hope it just becomes attainable for people. So can't wait. Yeah, and you know that's uh, six hundred fifty dollars. Like you said, mostly just for cartridges. You're not getting complete versions, right? And then on top of that, it comes with Star Fox Two. So if uh, if you're one of the few people who hasn't followed this too closely, Star Fox Two was uh, kind of near complete or complete at the end of the SNES. Uh, console lifecycle, Nintendo chose to never release it. So it's something that uh, people have ROMs for and pieces of the code. Uh, it was never officially released, like I said, and Nintendo is releasing it in complete form as part of this uh, this little bundle. So that's kind of amazing, you know. There's a there's a group of people out there that have 
kind of wish they could play Star Fox 2 for going on 20 years now. So it's a bizarre decision by Nintendo, but uh, also a really cool one, you know? So um, it's pretty impressive. Um, the next thing, this is kind of just a, a weird little thing that occurred, is that uh, this game, Five Stars 1000 Top Rated, is that what it was called? Yeah, it, it's a game on the PlayStation, uh, Sony PlayStation Store that was actually called Five Stars 1000 Top Rated. Yeah. And th what happened with this whole piece of software is that um, Sony has removed it from the store because it was almost a, a buy me uh, platinum trophy that existed. If you sat there for 20 to 25 minutes, you could literally get a platinum out of it. Um, and it has been removed. A lot of people got it. It was kind of an interesting game. Kind of, I wouldn't say puzzle, but you would move tiles. Uh, of pictures and then that was a bronze trophy you'd move a couple more tiles to another picture and then you would have a gold trophy etc so um it has been removed and sony has has messaged out that if you're going to make a game make it you know realistic on stuff like that so it has been removed from the store i thought it was kind of a funny yeah and it was like it was like 98 cents yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh the developer actually posted uh, on Reddit, I believe it was, and said that Sony has said they'll put it back if he removes all the wording about the game containing trophies, I think, something like that. So he said he's going to do that. So I I don't know. Uh, there's there's some weird stuff out there. If you've ever gone through the PlayStation 4 um, themes that you can buy and, and like pictures, there's some really goofy stuff out there as well. So um yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of funny, but I'm sure achievement hunters or trophy hunters were were jumping on that one. Yep. Uh, there was some uh, some big news. Well, not really big news. It's kind of non-news, um, but it, it kind of spread across all the sites that Xbox One X would download 4K assets, even if you didn't have a 4K TV. And of course, that was made out by many sites to be a bad thing, and nobody bothered explaining why that was. There is a reason. PlayStation 4 Pro does it as well. So the reason is, and I go into a lot more detail on this on uh, on an article I wrote around, um, you know, why the Xbox One X, um, or excuse me, uh, a fact on the Xbox One X. So that's out on the site if you want to check it out. But essentially, in short terms, is that developers use those assets to uh, super sample to, so they they can create kind of a better uh, image on even a 1080p TV when they have uh, some coding around the 4K assets and the improved texture clarity and uh, you know better aliasing and some things like that. So even if you don't have a 4K TV, you are benefiting from those additional assets and you'll get a better image on your 1080p TV. This should not have been a surprise to anyone. I'm, I'm really disappointed that some of the major gaming sites just covered it as if, oh, now you're going to have to have a bigger hard drive because uh, you've got to download this thing, even though you can't use it at all. And that's simply not true. Yes, it takes more storage space, but you are benefiting from it. So just thought that was another one of those ridiculous things that was covered poorly. Um, <clears throat> so news came out that Arika, so the company responsible for the Street Fighter EX series, um, which has you know had its uh, had some popularity over the years with fans, they announced that uh, they're going to be showing their new game at Evo this year. So if you're unfamiliar with Evo, Evo is the largest fighting game championship in the world. It, it's taking place in Vegas this year from July 14th to 16th, and uh, they said that they're going to be showing their their new game for the first time there. So obviously. You know, if they're showing it at Evo, it's assumed to be a fighting game, right? So it'll be real interesting to see what that is. Um, I, I don't think there's any further information that I've seen out there yet. But, um, 
if it's related to Street Fighter or whether it's something entirely new, we're not sure, but um, that could be really cool. Yeah, um, other news currently going on right now, which I thought was really interesting too, um, and I've been burned by it a ton. I think I even joked about it in one of our first podcasts was uh, for Overwatch. If, if you're playing Overwatch and you're one of those people that constantly gets crap out of the loot. Um, there, <laughs> Hello, uh, that's me. I think that's a lot of people. And <laughs> even when it was mentioned on social media, people were talking about what they get. Uh, so Blizzard is going to be reducing the amount of duplicates that people get. Um, and if you do get a duplicate, you'll get more credits out of it um, when you open up that loot box. So hopefully that's that's done a lot better. Um, some people have been turned off by it. And for the people that hunt loot boxes nonstop, they've been kind of let down. Um, so big news from Blizzard on that one. Overwatch is one of the biggest uh, socially played games right now. So I think that's a good move for them. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that would uh, help my interest a little bit. I mean, I the loot boxes were just bad, in my opinion. So... Um, another thing we, I think we commented on this before, but it's a, a neat thing is that, you know, Hitman, now that it's, uh, IO interactive owns it and, um, they've put the first, uh, the first kind of, uh, level, you know, more about this bird than I do, but the first level, uh, is free out there on PS4 and, and Xbox one. Uh, it includes two story missions and you can also get 17 achievements and, uh, or trophies. So, uh, if you haven't tried the new Hitman, you know, it's really critically well received uh and maybe work going out there and trying that first uh first couple missions to see if you like it it's for it's free so why not yeah and there's also a thing that for the first week while this is out that if you end up doing that you will get a discount on the complete game as well so cool to see developers doing some neat stuff for the fans that like the series i've highly recommended it on past podcasts if you are even on the fence about it it's free so give it a try it should be a lot of fun i i've had a great time with it yeah Kind of a feel-good story here. So uh, Guardian Con, which is kind of a, a mouthful, but essentially a big uh, expo for dedicated to Destiny. You know, Destiny has a massive following. We've talked about it before. And um, they were doing a benefit for uh, St. Jude's Hospital as a charity. And they announced just two days ago, I believe it was, that they passed uh, $1 million, or it might have been yesterday, passed $1 million that they've uh, raised in donation for St. Jude. So whether you like Destiny or not, that's awesome. You know, it's great to see gamers coming together. And, and this is something that really um, I enjoy about the gaming community. When they focus on something and they come together, man, they get shit done. So I think that they uh, just, you know, based around one game, just based around Destiny, they raised over a million dollars for charity. Uh, the St. Jude's Hospital is, is excellent. St. Jude's does really good work. Uh, you know, I've uh, I've actually... Um, good friend of mine's fiance uh, went through treatment there and uh, they are just fantastic. So I thought that was great. Yeah, I've read a lot about it and it's amazing what social media can do and what a, a big community of gamers can do as well. I've seen stories like this happen um, fairly often, you know, when people get together and they have a cause, it's, it's really cool to see it done. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, one other thing, um, <clears throat> So Psyonix, developer of Rocket League, and Rocket League is an, another, you know, kind of sensation, really huge game now. They are uh, continuing the press on the whole crossplay thing. So we, we touched on last week about Sony uh, saying no to crossplay on Rocket League and Minecraft and some other things. And um, there's been some back and forth or, you know, the whole Minecraft thing we covered last week. But Psyonix came back out and just said, you know, continue to press to say, look, you know, this is ready to go. We're going to keep asking Sony every single day if we can do it, because all we have to do is turn it on and it'll be ready to go between PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. Um, so this is kind of funny, actually. Uh, 
you know, I, we've shared our thoughts. We, we, I think most people, even if you're Sony only, I think a lot of people agree that Sony should be more open to this. Um, even during the sales lead, you know what, you're, you're hurting consumers. That's the only person that you're hurting. And, and let's be honest, you're not losing a lot of money by turning on crossplay. There's not people that are going out there today and, or I should say, there's probably a very small amount of people that are specifically buying a PlayStation 4 console just to play Rocket League or Minecraft uh, on that platform specifically. So um, I hope Sony changes their tune on this. I do think it's cool that developers like Psionics are, are pressing them on it to say, come on, get your act together and let's do this. Um, so we'll see if that ever changes. Yeah, I thought it was also kind of funny. Um, it's kind of hypocritical for Sony to even say things like that because they have done crossplay in this generation before. Um, a couple of games that they did it for some of the Final Fantasies. I think Final Fantasy XI had some crossplay. Um, Street Fighter V, and they've already announced that Disc Jam, which was kind of one of the most recent games that was on mm -hmm. PSN Plus, will be PC crossplay here in the near future. Um, so they're still avoiding the other uh, home consoles. Um, and they're also avoiding, um, you know, the Mac and, and Switch that's done a lot more stuff like that in, in general that's coming here in the near fall um, with games like Rocket League. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, unfortunate news, but it's funny that now one of the developers is pushing back and mentioning how easy it is for them to do it. Yeah. And we can't really blame them for ignoring the Mac, can we? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Nope. laughs> um, so uh, talking on developer news, uh, which we like to cover on the big cast, um, this is kind of less uh, game development, I guess, but a couple couple neat things. So um, Sony is taking public pitches for uh, Sony-based or, or led TV shows. Um, it's called the PlayStation Emerging Filmmakers Program. That's a mouthful. And um, the neat thing uh, here is that the pilots of these shows will be uh, run on PS or for PSN Plus members. So kind of like, uh, you know, we saw Powers from them, uh, but this sounds like they may be looking kind of into it more, uh, more deeply, which would be neat to see. Yeah, it's kind of cool that they're looking kind of from the fans that are, you know, new filmmakers. Uh, HBO did this long time ago. I think it was like Project Greenlight, I think it was called a long time ago. So yeah. it's cool to see that they're jumping into it from a fan perspective. Um, regarding the pilots, I think they said that the top five finalists will be able to create their pilot and then PSN Plus members will be able to view it and kind of uh, give feedback on it. So kind of cool to be including the community here um, and even cooler for people that are looking to make movies and have kind of a, a cool pitch that Sony can kind of run on that might be into both people's interests. So really cool. Yeah, it's neat stuff. Looking forward to that. And then uh, one kind of piece of news that just shows you how um, Nintendo is killing it right now, for, especially in Japan. So the Switch has been a big hit, I think, globally. Um, you know, the the everything they do seems to be kind of firing on all cylinders right now. The NES Classic, obviously, the SNES uh, Mini that's, uh, that is... Um, obviously already creating waves. So their market value um, as a company actually climbed above Sony last week uh, at, you have the numbers here, Bert, I think 49.8 billion versus Sony at 48.6. So there's there's not really a whole lot relating specifically to games here, but it was real interesting to see that occur. Um, I, I didn't do enough research to know if that had occurred in the past because Sony's been, you know, such a large company for so long now. But it just goes to show you how uh, how people are viewing Nintendo right now. They're really creating a profit for their for their company. 
Yeah, and another noteworthy thing about this store, which I thought was really interesting, is this is Sony as a whole. So this includes their whole entertainment division of TVs, and uh, I guess I don't make too much of this minute stuff like that anymore. But uh, yeah, so um, Sony's not the huge powerhouse they used to be. It'd be interesting to see where Sony would be if the if the Sony gaming division didn't exist. Um, but yeah, it is cool for Nintendo to do that with the with the pushes of Pokemon Go, the Switch, and everything that's happening. Their market share is getting massive, so. Um, they're not going anywhere, people. If you're thinking that the, you know, the Wii U was was a failure and the Wii was whatever it was, um, now that the Switch is here and everything else is going, they're only getting stronger. So that's kind of a big deal for them. It's kind of cool to see the numbers. It is amazing, right? I remember, you know, um, obviously long before we created the site, but uh, having the conversation, it was pretty common to hear people say that Nintendo needs to go the way of Sega. You know, they need to stop making consoles. They need to uh, just push their first party software onto the other platforms. And, you know, the Wii U was looked at as a pretty big failure. And uh, now here they are, but a few years later with a really popular home console, uh, releasing their their classics on these little uh, miniature home consoles. And they've got the new uh, 2DS coming and um, their properties just continue to, to rise in value. So it's, yeah, I don't know. We always say, you know, people seem to have a lot of thoughts around what Nintendo should do, but it seems like they they uh, they kind of know what they're doing. So, all right. So we had a couple uh, couple weird rumors that came out this week, and things we'll touch on. Um, you know, this one thing came out last week or, or earlier this week, excuse me, around uh, this site or this company came out and said they uh, they had information that Mass Effect they were working are going to be working on. DLC for Mass Effect Andromeda, um, but they uh, had been told to stop or that had contract had been canceled. And therefore, you know, it quickly spread across the internet that all DLC for Mass Effect Andromeda has been canceled and that franchise is dead. And uh, I think that was a, a kind of a big leap, but it did come out that this whole information was fake. You know, it wasn't real. It wasn't real company Bioware and uh, came out and said, you know, we've never even heard of this place before. So, um, I don't know how that kind of spread so quickly. I, I'm sure it was one of those sites looking to get clicks and just, you know, posted it out there as some type of uh, information. But uh, turns out none of that was uh, was real. Yeah, it was kind of an intricate um, fake rumor slash fake news, whatever you want to call it. Most of the time, we usually see something like a, I don't know, like a tweet or something, and that's really it. Or maybe we see some kind of a photoshopped image and saying, hey, this is being worked on, but. Uh, these folks went out of their way. They created a Facebook profile. They uh, created a whole bunch of information for it, um, and they linked on it. And I think a lot of it has to do with people hoping to see more from Andromeda in general. And there's been a lot of people requesting DLC because there was a few cliffhangers left in the game. So um, kind of a letdown. It's a shame that uh, Bioware has come out and said, we've never heard of them. We don't, we're not, we haven't, uh, well, they haven't actually denied making DLC. However, they have said that um, all of their resources are focusing on Anthem right now. So if you're a, a Mass Effect fan, uh, you're probably not going to be seeing any DLC anytime soon. Um, very unfortunate, but uh, kind of sucks to, to tug at the heart of uh, many of these people that want that. So <laughs> Yeah, just strange. So on a better piece of news that came out, so uh, the Ubisoft uh, CEO, excuse me, came out and mentioned that, um, you know, they're currently looking at potential storylines or potential uh, storyboards for the next Splinter Cell. So the, the words active development, I don't think were used, but um, he did say it's still a franchise kind of dear to their heart. And they're looking at, uh, you know, how they can kind of 
create the next iteration of that. So we talked about potentially seeing that at E3. We didn't, unfortunately. Um, but it is nice to hear them talk about the franchise and, and say that it's something that they're still kind of, you know, working on to some degree. And I know um, that obviously uh, probably got you uh, pretty excited. Yeah, that's kind of where the rumor uh, mill of this kind of came through. When I saw the news on Twitter, I saw active development. And, um, and then I got a message from you, funny enough, saying, hey, they're talking about it. Um, and after more investigation, they are not, or they, I should say, the developer has not said it is an active development, has not, you know, mentioned a timetable in 19, 20, 20 or anything like that. So um, they, are, they are talking about it. That's the only official news from the developer. Um, however, the rumor mill did start turning on this one. Um, and we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm hoping to see something maybe from a future E3, maybe even another conference in the near future. But I, I, I don't see anything time soon. And then the, uh, the last thing we were going to touch on with regard to news anyway was uh, more Wii U games coming to the Switch. Um, Bert, I know you were you were talking about some of these things earlier in the week. Do you want to touch on this? Yeah, so uh, this is something we've also covered on previous podcasts. I think even on one of our E3 predictions, we had talked about more Wii U ports coming to the Switch. And unfortunately, or fortunately, there was only one mentioned at E3, and that was uh, Puckin uh, Tournament DX. And so that is uh, that was on the Wii U. It's a Pokemon fighting game that you can kind of get. Um, now, one of the interesting things is um, the other uh, one that did really well this year was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe or DX, however you want to mention it. Um, and Reggie uh, did come out and say that there is talks of more Wii U ports coming uh, to the Switch. And that has to do, obviously, with uh, how well it did uh, with Mario Kart 8. It's already broken tons of records for the franchise in general. But with those kind of sales numbers coming, um, it is going to be interesting to see more Wii U ports coming uh, with how, how small of a sales the Wii U did in general as a console. Uh, some of these developers and Nintendo in general might come out and launch them on the Switch. So don't be too surprised if you see more of those. Uh, the only one that has been officially announced and coming is the Pokemon uh, tournament, and it is the DX. And the other thing Reggie mentioned that it is, is if there is any games coming uh, that were Wii U ports, you will be getting the deluxe version. So if there was any DLC that was added afterwards or any kind of levels in general or things that were sharpened on the game, you will be getting the deluxe version. Um, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Um, it's still completely uh, speculation as to what the games will be, uh, but I, I'm going to be expecting quite a few games to be coming there just to kind of get more of the Nintendo library on the Switch in general. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you know, one of the things we expected to see at E3 was uh, Smash Brothers, right? Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that's... I still think that's going to be one that they kind of uh, do a deluxe version of for the for the Switch, we'll see. Yeah, it kind of has to be. Uh, Smash is, is huge, um, and that was kind of what we guessed was going to be. There was even the rumor yeah. before E3, which ended up being fake. Um, so we'll see what happens. It should be interesting. Yeah, and it, it fits the Switch so well, right? I mean, the whole thing is having those four players kind of in competition, and that's the whole thing of Switch is taking that anywhere and just playing with other people. So, all right. Um, so why don't we talk about some uh, new releases, and then we'll get to what we're currently playing. Um, so new releases this week, uh, the big one that kind of got a lot of press yesterday was Crash Bandicoot. Um, coming back, the original trilogy being fully remastered and, and releasing on PlayStation. Uh, one of the things that's worth noting on this is that um, it's actually owned by Activision. People still see Crash as a Sony franchise for, for good reason, of course, but the, the IP is actually owned by Activision. So there's already been a leak that this was apparently a one-year timed exclusive on the, on the PS4 and that we may actually see Crash Bandicoot on the Xbox One next year. So um, that would be kind of weird, but cool at the same time. 
Um, but I'm a big fan. You know, I've talked before about loving platformers. I played through all the Crash games, you know, when I was younger. And I already had this one ordered. So I, I was traveling this week. I didn't go out and pick it up. But I think I'm, mine's getting shipped to me and it'll be here Monday. I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, from a critical perspective, it's kind of middle of the road. I think it's, you know, it's getting sixes, sevens out there. Um, but that doesn't bother me at all. You know, I, I'm I'm sure I'm going to love it. It's It's just that type of game. Um, Marvel Heroes Omega is, uh, the, it's not an MMO. It's more, it's hard to say. It's more like a Diablo clone almost. Um, I played in the PlayStation 4 beta a while ago. It's been on PC and uh, it just came out of beta and went to open release yesterday. Uh, that's Friday, June 30th on, uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So it is free to play. Um, as you would expect with any free-to-play game, you know, there's bundles you can buy if you want to support the game. And you can earn things in the game, but it, it does take a while, of course. So if, uh, you know, if you want to support the game, please do. But uh, I enjoyed what I played. I'm looking forward to jumping in on Xbox One. I know we got a couple buddies that have talked about playing it. So if we can get a group together playing that, it, it could be a lot of fun. And then uh, the other uh, big release that's, that's gotten some press is a PlayStation 4 game, Next Machina. Um, which is the next shooter from Housemark. So Housemark was, uh, got popular for Rezogun uh, earlier in the PlayStation 4's lifestyle. And these are kind of those um, shooters that have uh, evolved from, say, Robotron or, or games like Smash TV even. So it's kind of, you know, moving level to level and, and just shooting in all directions uh, on a 2D plane. So very, very cool. I love those games as well. We've talked before about kind of shooters and bullet hell games. Um, some of my favorites. So like I said, I was traveling. I just got home last night, but uh, I'm looking forward to checking that one out as well. So any thoughts on these three releases, Bert? Yeah, I actually want to jump in on the developer for Next Machina. And if okay. you have a 4K TV and if you have HDR, play Resogun. It'll blow you away. <laughs> it looks awesome. It's a blast to play. I can't wait to play Next Machina. It's getting reviewed really well. Um, and so I'm I, doing that as well. Uh, Crash Bandicoot. I was a huge Crash Bandicoot fan back in the um, Sony days when this was a big deal. And it does include the first three. So uh, I'm looking forward to get it. Uh, my wife is actually interested in it. It's her type of game. So it'll be cool to see her kind of enjoy what we used to enjoy uh, back in the day. So Cool. And then... Um... Probably the biggest thing, just because it's it's Zelda, and Zelda is always huge, right? Is the first part of the uh, DLC for Breath of the Wild came out called the Master Trials. Uh, it is part of that season pass, and it includes, um, you know, different challenges, some new d difficulty. Um, you probably know more about it than I do, Bert. Uh, you know, new chests and armor from Majora's Mask, things like that. But um, is, is that something you were looking forward to? Uh, I am looking forward to it. However, it's not something that it's at the front of my gaming right now. I, I mentioned in a previous podcast that I, I'm excited for it, but unfortunately, I've kind of moved on to other games already. I played the living crap out of Zelda when it first released, and um, we're not really getting any new story content uh, with this. This is more of the, the Master Trials, which Zelda's kind of known for doing. Um, if you were looking for more challenges and more things to do in the world that exist already, uh, this is something right down your alley. But uh, my backlog is so crazy that um, I'm probably going to pass on it for now and just grab it later. So, uh, But it does look cool. It's, it's getting reviewed really well. A lot of people are looking into it and have downloaded it already. I've seen a lot of live streams from from different gamers that are currently playing it. So it, it's a lot of people are loving it. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm still early in the main game. Um, I only have a few, 
I don't know, 15, 20 hours into Breath of the Wild. So I've obviously got a long way to go in the main game. So this didn't really interest me. But I mean, I know for the Zelda fans, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and other social media avenues really getting excited about it. So good stuff. And then the uh, in terms of releases, I just wanted to touch on this because I kind of thought it was cool, is that uh, Sega Forever um, is releasing some of the classic uh, Genesis games on mobile. So iOS and Google Play or Android. And, um, you know, the first, the initial lineup here is Altered Beast, Fantasy Star 2, Sonic, Comic Zone, and Kid Chameleon. And I actually downloaded Fantasy Star 2 and was playing that on my phone a little bit. And, uh, you know, you can pay... Um, couple dollars i think it is to get like an ad free they're free to download but it comes with ads if you pay a couple dollars you can play it ad free which i did just because i i like fantasy star i'm a huge classic fantasy star fan so i played it a little bit it's uh definitely brought some memories back but uh, i just think that's kind of neat you know I, I don't know how the others play fantasy star as it's a walk around turn based rpg kind of fits you know the mobile screen a little easier i don't know how you play something like altered beast i think that would be kind of hard um but anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. It's always good to see these games hit other platforms and kind of be uh, breathe some new life into. Yeah, uh, and I'm kind of going through it right now, and you can kind of see them all. They're free. Even Crazy Taxi. I had no idea Crazy oh, Taxi was part of the lineup. Um, and to the point, I mean, it's cool that they're free. It's cool that they're kind of keeping this type of stuff together for people to kind of play. I wish Nintendo would do that with some of their old games, but we're not going to see that. So um, cool to see them. Yeah. Excited. All right, so that's uh, those are kind of the big releases. What are you uh, what are you actively playing right now? Yeah, so my my world's been kind of weird. I've been traveling a ton, um, and I just came back from a family vacation. And a game that I purchased the demo for on the Nintendo Switch that I never thought people would go crazy for, um, but we played it a ton over our family vacation is Puyo Puyo Tetris. Um, <laughs> man, we had people just waiting to play four players, um, and we took it on the road, and we had just people. Um, it was a lot of fun. So if you are looking for a fun multiplayer game, um, even if you're not traveling, if you're doing it at home, you're looking for something fun for the family and friends to play, Puyo Puyo Tetris is awesome. There's tons of modes, tons of things to unlock, and, and just different ways of playing. If you're just a Tetris person, um, just Tetris, that's fun. Uh, I've been playing a lot of that. Um, I was playing Prey, um, and to many people's dissatisfaction, I am <laughs> waiting for the Xbox One X for that to come out to get the patching and um, some stuff on there. So I have kind of jumped back into... Uh, some older games um, that I had on the backlog. I went back to Darksiders 1 Remastered um, for the PS4. Um, another funny story that I ran into was uh, I went back to finish Until Dawn two weeks ago, um, and then it gets released that it's going to be the free game for next month. So I had got through, I think I had maybe two left. I can't remember where I was. Um, and I finished it off. That's a great game for people if you are going to be picking it up next month. Uh, play that with your friends or maybe your family and just switch control to the next person every once in a while. It's kind of a cool little team slasher uh, game. There's not a ton of gameplay. Um, it's one of those quick time events games. Uh, but the story's fun. Um, there's different choices that can be made. You can even play it through twice and see things slightly different. And some characters will, will go with you or not go with you to the end. So that was kind of fun. Um, and the last one that I'm playing is the the Telltale Game of Thrones game that I've had on the backlog forever. I played the first chapter when it first came out for free. Um, ended up buying the whole game, the rest of the chapters, and I'm finally getting back to that one. So playing all kinds of software right now. Um, and there's a few other games I'm working on too, but those are the main ones that I've been focusing on. How about you? Cool. And yeah, you're killing me with Prey. You're killing yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Um, I've already talked about my love for that game, so I won't cover that again. Um, like I said, yeah, I was traveling all week as well. Um, I'm going to be playing Crash. Uh, like I said, uh, Marvel Heroes Omega, I'll probably play a bit with some friends. And uh, Next Machina, I want to pick up as well. I haven't even checked it out since I got home. Um, but before I left, I was playing actively. I'm um, playing Last of Us again. Um, you know, I playing it on the PS4 Pro, the remastered version, you know, in the 60 frames and the, the sharper graphics. And I wanted to try that out on the on the new system. And um, it's great, you know. And, of course, I got sucked right back into it. So I think I'm already, like, uh, almost halfway through it again. You know, story is, I don't really have to talk about Last of Us. One of my favorite games of all time. One of the greatest games of all time, considered by many. So playing that. Um, as you can see behind me here, I plan on going back to Persona 5 a little bit. Uh, I've got a I've got a good amount of time in that game, 30, 40 hours, but it's a very long game. So I, I got distracted with other software, but I do want to get back to that and beat that over the summer. And then um, I was trying to think if there's anything else I was actively playing. Touch Fantasy Star on the mobile. Um, I did pick up uh, Lego City Undercover again uh, for the Switch this time. I had it on the Wii U, but I took it with me uh, traveling on the Switch and played that a little bit. But um, yeah, looking forward to, to Crash, really, mostly. Um, I think that's what I'll be playing over the next few weeks. All right, so now we're going to move into uh, covering our pre-E3 trivia. So if you recall, we did a special prior to E3 where we uh, asked uh, about 24 questions or so of things we thought we would see at E3. We said we would come back to that to see how we did, and uh, we're going to do that now. So I'd love to welcome back to the show Jordan Simmons. Jordan, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me back. Of course. So um, <clears throat> Jordan, Bert, and I uh, kind of took a swing at all these uh, trivia questions, and I went through the tally yesterday, and um, we're really not sure how this happened. But somehow, we have a three-way tie, which is kind of uh, hilarious given the topic. So I'm not going to run through all these questions again. Like I said, you can find that uh, pre-three trivia special you know, with the rest of our BitCast. But um, there were a couple ones that jumped out to me that I found uh, pretty funny. So... The first one that we had here um, that we kind of all agreed on and all got wrong was uh, Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4. So we kind of all assumed that with Spider-Man being shown last year and Insomniac, you know, putting a lot of time into it, that um, that would be a big release for Sony this year and in 2017 because, of course, the Spider-Man movie releases uh, next month in July and will presumably, you know, come out on Blu-ray or Ultra Blu-ray later this year as well prior to the holidays. So... We kind of assumed that just from a pure marketing perspective, that would be a huge game for Sony to release um, this year. But no, it's uh, it's still not coming to 2018. So kind of a surprise there. Um, not sure what your guys' thoughts are on that one. Um, I, I actually find it surprising as well. I mean, I understand that, you know, from a timing perspective, you know, it might be a little difficult to time a video game uh with the release of a movie maybe they didn't you know uh contract in order to have the game made until well after the movie was made but uh you know in general i mean a movie has what usually about maybe a 16 17 month development time maybe you know for everything post-processing all that kind of stuff so you know i would expect them to be able to to actually coincide with that i just feel that you know it, don't get me wrong i think it's going to be from what I saw from the footage, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, you know, it looks like they've, uh, you know, taken some cues from uh, the Batman series and all that. Um, but, you know, just tying it into the movie, I, I feel as if 
it would have made more sales if they had been able to do that, or it would make more sales if they were able to do that versus, I don't know, releasing it sometime next summer. Yeah, I'm I'm personally kind of weird about it now that I, I look back on it. Um, so the, the the game's actually not tied to the movie in a story sense, but I think we were all hoping and thinking that it would ride on the hype of the movie. And now looking at it as to when it's potentially going to release, I think they said early 2018, uh, that could be somewhere near the Blu-ray release, which might be something that they're hoping to push around that time even more. Um, I have a feeling the movie's going to do really good, so it's going to you know get the hype from there. But yeah, I... I am kind of surprised about it. I, I guess Sony was going with other exclusives that they're hoping to do uh, sometime in, in the fall, which is maybe Gran Turismo and, as we joke about, Knack 2 um, and a few other titles that are coming. But I, I was a little bit surprised about it, too. But I, I guess they have other plans for it, and they're not even considering it as part of the movie release. So, Yeah, and to be fair, right, if uh, the game's not ready, it's not ready. I'd rather have them uh, take the time to make the game good than worry about a marketing you know, oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, having a bad game, you know, that's, you know, not ready for leave <laughs> Andromeda is, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah. uh, can kill kill a franchise in <laughs> Andromeda. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's important. But I, I, I have seen the relationship between movies and games before. And I think, you know, one of the good examples would be Star Wars uh, Old Republic you know, which had been out for a number of years, I guess it was out for like maybe three years, uh, two or three years before the new Star Wars movie, you know, came out two years ago. And all of a sudden, you know, there was a, a, a big bump in the number of new players and subscribers to a game that was, you know, almost dead at that, at that point, I think. You know, so just the hype of the movie, you know, it's very easy to tie that into video games, even when the content's not the same or any of that. So just the excitement of it. So, but um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we you know, as gamers, uh, you know, we would want a um, a very good game more than anything else. I don't know if I'll play it, um, you know, but I mean, it's it still looked like it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you could even say the same thing about Battlefront. I mean, I know Battlefront. We all love Battlefront in general, but that game sold a lot more than we were expecting. Expecting, and it was not exactly a deep game when it comes to shooters. And I have a feeling that was a forced unleash kind of helped with that a lot. So, right, agreed, completely agree. Force Awakens, I think you mean, right? Uh, For Force Awakens, Force Unleashed the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, one of the other ones that I found funny uh, in our trivia that uh, just killed me. Um, Nintendo, uh, you know, hit me right in the head in this one. So we we asked if we would see the SNES Classic at E3. I said we would. Uh, you both said we wouldn't, and naturally we get it a week and a half after E3. So um, big uh, middle finger to Nintendo on that one for screwing me out of my point. Um, <laughs> so we'll be talking more about the the NS, SNES Classic as the year goes on. It's a big topic right now, but um, yeah, I found that one funny. Uh, another one which was kind of hilarious, you both got a point on, and I, I got screwed on by Nintendo again, was uh, we talked about what Nintendo character would be coming back. Um, you know, as a new franchise on the Switch or being brought into uh, in the Switch's library. And I said Pikmin, which we didn't see. Uh, we saw everything but. Bert, you correctly said Samus, which was probably the, the biggest announcement for Nintendo with Metroid, Metroid Prime 4, excuse me. And then, uh, Jay, you, <laughs> you jokingly said that we would see Sonic the Hedgehog on Nintendo stage, which uh, we got a good laugh at um, at the time. And sure enough, there is an exclusive Sonic game by Sega coming to the Nintendo Switch. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, called Sonic Forces. So, um, 
yeah, that was both of those were kind of hilarious. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on those. Yeah, that was a total shot in the dark. I mean, I, I wasn't <laughs> even like totally being serious about it at all, but uh, you know, I, I think that's pretty hilarious. I mean, yeah, and actually, you know, at the same time, I think it's actually really cool. Um, I wish that uh, you know more uh, game developers and companies would allow things like that to happen rather than you know, uh, tying some of these games to uh, specific systems. I mean, I understand that it's a, it's a system seller and stuff like that. I get that. And obviously, we're not going to see much of that in the way of, uh, you know, Microsoft and Sony. Um, but, you know, seeing a lot of the Sega classics, you know, uh, come to the other platforms is really great. I wish they were just a little bit more cross-platform. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing Sega finally came to their senses and is now on, on the Super Nintendo and Nintendo consoles, so... You know, for those for the Sega guys, you know, it's painful. It's painful. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it is a good thing. Both your point. Uh, obviously, it's better to have more people playing those games than less. Um, but it is funny when you just look at history, right? How big of a rivalry Sega and Nintendo had at one point in time. So things change. Um, just the last one here that I'll cover. Um, we took a shot in the dark at what we thought the Crackdown multiplayer would be. Uh, so, Bert, you actually said four on four. Um, I said eight. No, excuse me. Uh, Jay, you said eight on eight, and I said 12 on 12. We were all wrong. Bert was the closest, but uh, no points for closeness, Bert. So, um, it's actually going to be five on five. Uh, the developer has confirmed, and there's four player co op in the game. But um, we took a swing. None of us hit it. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. So, in the end, 24 questions. Uh, we each got eight right. Like I said, kind of hilarious that we all landed with eight. Um, so I guess you could say season gaming as a whole has about a 33% accuracy rate on E3, which I don't think is too bad, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah especially, I mean, yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> that, uh, you know, given the fact that a lot of these questions, again, were, you know, shot in the dark questions. Um, I don't think we did too bad uh, in, in that regard. And, you know, I'm, uh, many of the questions were questions that, you know, we answered with, you know, more hopes than, you know, serious answers. So um, for the ones that we got wrong, I think that, you know, um, not like even like the pricing for, you know, the X1X. I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, the X1X is, you know, one of those things where we were hoping for, you know, 299 but, you know, it didn't materialize that way. Yeah, and the only thing I was going to say is uh, we're, we're going to be linking the the uh, trivial uh, E3 side of it to our description below. So if you're if you're watching on YouTube and you want to follow that up, um, you can definitely click on that and go back to the questions. And if you're on one of our podcasts like SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can just find it in the previous uh, podcast, so you'll be able to kind of follow up. Very good. All right. So with that out of the way, let's uh, let's move into our main topic today, which is uh, you know our thoughts around these. Uh, the changing of what we're seeing with console generations. So the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X um, have kind of introduced a uh, a new cycle or a change in methodology around the cycle that we're going to see from these uh, major companies with console releases. So, you know, <clears throat> they're moving more to an upgrade model rather than strictly generations. Um, there's been I don't think really amongst the hardcore, the people who kind of understand tech or under or into gaming are so confused, but I think there's a lot of confusion uh, just in the mainstream around this. You know, they've been used to kind of a single console coming out every, you know, five to eight years and, and they know kind of what to expect, but this is uh, this is a change. So we know that on Sony's side, the PS4 Pro has been out there since last year. 
Uh, they recently released some statistics around it, uh, said it's actually accounts for one out of every five PlayStation 4 now sold, so about 20%. Um, they said that 40% of the people who have bought one are actually upgrading. So this is uh, people who had a PS4 already and then upgraded to a PS4 Pro. And they also said that that is above their projections. So I don't know what their projections were, of course, but uh, 20% is above their projections. Um, you know, it may give us some kind of idea about what to expect from the X1X when it releases uh, in November. But anyway, um, so let's kind of go on some of the main things around this. So what do you guys think on, uh, you know, three to four year upgrade cycles? Do you think that's something that will continue going forward? And, um, you know, Microsoft has specifically commented that these are going to be uh, forward compatible, meaning that, you know, whatever comes after the X1X, any games that worked on the X1X will work on the new console and it'll just keep kind of going, just like, again, upgrading your PC. Um, so you guys think that that's a good thing in the console market? Uh, did you prefer just strict generations or, or what do you guys think? So, um, Bert, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I, I think uh, the home console uh, stuff is starting to get a little bit more uh, comparable to, I guess, the PC upgrade um, world where you simply, you know, change out your video card or add more RAM or, you know, obviously we need more hard drive space if you don't have a massive one already for the, the size of games that are becoming. I personally don't have a problem with it um, because uh, I think four or five years, however often these are going to start happening in the future is not a bad thing. Um, I think as long as people are finding a reason to upgrade and, and play their new machines or the games that they have already in a, in a better fashion, uh, for example, 4K or 60 frames per second or just faster load times, I think it's a good thing overall for gaming. Um, I just hope people see the value in that versus simply finding a way to trash whichever console they're not a fanboy of. Yeah. Jay, what do you think? Uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I've got a lot of mixed mixed feelings about it. I mean, I could, you know, probably talk for an extended period of time in, in regards to um, a lot of the pros and the cons in regards to shortening the upgrade cycles. Um, you know, first of all, I, 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 it, it makes me feel as if they have shortened the amount of time for Microsoft and Sony to have an arms race. You know, you know, on you know whatever that arms race is is going to consist of, whether it's you know more RAM, more power, uh, you know the design of the box, you know more features, you know you know whatever it it, it to me I, I feel as if it's it really kind of accelerated that pace a little bit, um, and it gives the feeling of always trying to keep up with the Joneses for the for the consumer, so you know. For for me, how do I you know really discern whether or not I want to upgrade? You know, sort of like it's sort of like upgrading your 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 cell phone. You know, you know, Apple comes out with a new one, everybody goes nuts. They go and get a new one. You have to assess, well, do I really want to do this? When I do want to skip to the next generation, am I really missing out? Um, so uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think that uh, I'm I'm not really kind of looking forward to. Um, because it almost makes it feel like back in the old days when you'd get a PC, you know, it was obsolete with and didn't run what it is that you wanted to run in like, you know, six, seven months or something like that. Things have changed a lot on the PC front in that regard. Um, I mean, upgrade cycles, my upgrade cycles for my PCs are somewhere in between five and seven years uh, at this point, um, because most of it's really just based on the power is, is within the video card itself. So now it almost feels as if uh, the cycles are now really competing with a PC more than they're competing with each other. 
if, if um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking because I play on on all these consoles. I play on consoles and PCs. You know, so which one am I going to prioritize? You know, at this point, if I, I'm going to get the X One X. You know, that 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 much is 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 definite. You know, but if three years another one comes out, am I am I am I going to have just upgraded my PC, which means I'm not going to upgrade. You know, to the next you know X One X. Uh, the other thing is, is it's more expensive from the standpoint of you're one of these guys that gets, you know, all the consoles. So if you get like, you know, a Sony console uh, and the Xbox console, that's cutting in half the amount of upgrades, you know, that you're going to have to, the time, the amount of time that it's going to require for you to do the next upgrade. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it's more money. Um I think it'll be exciting. I think it's great. I think, you know, the games that are coming out, uh, you know, should be awesome. But I don't know. I kind of look forward. Maybe I'm old school. I kind of look forward to the big hype, you know, of the new console and, you know, all of that uh, hype that goes on with it and what's it going to be like. When it goes incrementally, it's, it's more uh, evolutionary rather than revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah, some really good points, uh, and I think you bring a good counter perspective to uh, you know some of the thoughts I've laid out there, even Bert's laid out there, because uh, you know I'm just usually excited for it. Um, not that you're not, but I, I think you bring some good counterpoints. Um, you know, well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for this one. You know, like I, I'll, I'll I'll back it up a little bit. You know, I'm excited for the the X One X. I didn't have a, play, a PlayStation, you know, Pro or, or the previous you know PlayStation, so. But if I had one, I don't know if I would have been excited for that because there was not really, to me personally, not really that enough of change and enough um, uh, advantages for me to actually want to upgrade. So me and my thinking, I actually probably would have skipped. I would have skipped the PlayStation Pro and wait wait for the next one. But those are the things that are now that people are, I think, are really going to have to start thinking about. Is it really worth, you know, doing these upgrades? It's not like we're doing this era where, um, you know, traditionally they would be a form factor change. You know, they wouldn't really change too much about the console, but it'd make it smaller, or they change the design of it a little bit, you know, change controllers and stuff like that. But there was there was no real power differences be between these, these controllers, I mean, between these, these consoles. Um, and one other point is as well, um, you know, speaking of cost, what exactly are these consoles going to cost every single time they do one of these evolutionary changes? Because the bounce in price, you know, for the you know Xbox is you know roughly in parity. Are we going to talk about is this going to be the same price three years from now? You know, is it going to go up in price? Is it going to go down in price? What happens to all these old consoles? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, all these old consoles, is it going to be a burgeoning aftermarket for these consoles? Or are these things just going to go, you know, get, you know, basically get scrapped, you know, in, in the uh, in the aftermarket? So, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I think it's it'll eventually iron itself out. Um, but right now, I just kind of have mixed feelings on it. I'm excited for the new uh, X1X that's coming out. Um, you know, but I'm already almost looking ahead and saying, well, okay, well, what else can you really do at this point? Right. Well, one of the things you mentioned, Jordan, was regarding the, the PS4 Pro compared to the PS4 and even the PS4 Slim, which launched, I guess, right below it. Um, sorry, right before it. And I think a lot of PlayStation owners kind of fell into that same boat. I mean, is this really a big enough 
difference in order to get a PS4 Pro. Right. So as as uh, Ains kind of mentioned, the the adoption rate's been kind of slow for existing people. And uh, we actually had an article about it back when they were released and talked about. It. And I think what's happened with a lot of the Sony crowd that has a console, they've kind of waited out. They haven't really jumped to the Pro. Um, unless they have a 4K TV and have a nicer TV to where they can actually see the differences in some software titles. But for people that are still in the 1080p realm, they haven't really jumped to it. And the other person that would be interested in a Pro is someone that doesn't have a PlayStation 4 altogether. Um, it really, for $100 more, um, it makes sense to simply buy a PS4 Pro, not because it's it's some kind of amazing console compared to the standard one, but for $100 more, you're almost future-proofed um, in the Sony PS4 world and software world for the next few years as we're kind of seeing so i've seen a lot of that happening but i'm with you it will be interesting to see a lot of what happens um i think a lot of it's going to be based on their own at-home technology um, we have been seeing in some of the numbers for sales and 4k tvs is actually having a faster adoption rate than the 1080p tvs did when before the 1080p existed um, a lot of people had their standard 480p and even 720p TVs, and it was very slow for people to have a true 1080p TV, whereas the 4K adoption ratio is a lot faster. So we'll see what happens and what these companies do, but I, I think it's very interesting where we are right now. A lot of good points from everybody. Yeah, and you know that's kind of a good segue to the other point I wanted to make on on these or, or for have us comment on, and is the upgrade to the power, right? You both touched on it. Um, I don't think this is uh was meant at a at, as a, a a negative thing towards the ps4 pro but you know one thing phil spencer did say when he was asked about it last year was they could have done something that would have released in 2016 but when they mapped it out it wasn't the kind of um it wouldn't have represented the the jump that they wanted to provide uh for both developers and consumers so as you kind of mentioned, you know, the PlayStation 4 um, was already more powerful than the Xbox One by a little bit. And <clears throat> the PS4 Pro, you know, is kind of about two and a half times more powerful than a PS4, uh, standard PS4, excuse me. But that's not really a huge jump. Yes, it can do, um, you know, the uh, some, a few games in native 4K. It can do the checkerboarding. It, uh, you know, it... Um, has a much stronger GPU, but it's not. Uh, it didn't feel like a generational leap, I guess. And uh, the Xbox One X is, uh, you know, is another step up from that. Given just the extra development time, where a year later um, it's a little more expensive, a little more advanced. So, um, you know, it, I think that the uh, personally, I think that the Xbox One X represents more of what I'd want to see in these uh, releases. You know, it was four years since the Xbox One launch when the Xbox One X comes out, and it's a significant boost in power, right? It's about four times more powerful, at least, uh, than the launch Xbox One. Um, so I think that that's, uh, for me personally, I think that's significant enough, and I'll see enough benefit out of it to own it. Now, I'm not putting down the PlayStation 4 Pro. I have a PlayStation 4 Pro, and I had a PlayStation 4 before. Um, and playing something like Horizon, you know, in, in 4K on the PS4 Pro is is breathtaking. It's I think I've commented before. I think it's the most stunning game I've seen of all time. Um, but, yeah, I, I to your point, Jordan, I just don't know. Um, if they do move to this cycle where it's every three to four years, I don't know if enough people are going to see the value add or the power difference to be substantial enough to uh, to make that leap. So, well, you know, uh, to, if I can just interject real quick, I, of course, I, I think that um, you know, 
it's interesting when these new consoles are really coming out. And and the reason why is is because we are actually in a in a in a transition right now. As we continue to transition towards uh, you know, you know the higher resolution monitors, you know, in 4K and things like that. You know, when you go to E3 and you're seeing these games in 4K and you've been, you know, used to, you know, looking at it in standard HD, it, it's iPad. I mean, it's 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 amazing. You know, you're looking at it and you're like, oh my gosh, that looks that looks awesome. That looks great. You know, so technically speaking, you know. If you've got a 4K monitor or 4K television, you know, yeah, it absolutely totally makes sense to probably go ahead and, and jump on board this because you're actually going to see the value of what it is that you purchased every single time you boot up that machine and you launch a game that can run in 4K. Okay. So that's great. But if I'm thinking ahead, Three, four years from now, you know, the 4K adoption rate can only increase. So everybody's going to kind of have 4K, you know, you know, monitors. So if you've already got one, if you let's say you've already got the X1X and they release their next iteration, uh, you know, come, um, you, you know, three, four years from now, it's, it's going to probably look the same. You know, I, I, I have a hard time believing that it's, it's not going to, you know, look, you know, very, very similar or at least to the point where you're going to say, well, yeah, I don't really necessarily know if, if, if that's enough for me to, you know, drop another, you know, four or five hundred bucks. And it's the same phenomenon that I would say, like, again, when you when you compare this to phones, you know, each when when iPhones first came out, the technology was moving so quickly that each new iPhone or each, you know, uh, new smartphone that was coming out was coming with just a plethora of new features that made people say, wow, this is this is awesome. This is something new. I've never seen this before. And everybody was really excited about it. But it, it eventually moved to the point where once it stopped being revolutionary and started becoming evolutionary, people really started having a hard time um, being excited about it. Now, it wasn't, you know, Apple's or Samsung's fault, per se. They were still releasing more powerful phones. But people really don't see that value when, oh, well, this phone, you know, launched this application, you know, two seconds faster. I, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not going to see, you know, really much value. People are not going to really see that. So these new, more powerful phones were coming out, but people expectations were not being met because they still felt like there should have been something that was revolutionary each generation of phone. It's just that the phones were coming out so quickly that it ended up being evolutionary. So my concern, and, and this is my concern for it, is that, you know, and, you know, these guys are obviously paid in order to figure this, you know, kind of stuff out. And they, know, they have data and numbers, you know, that I don't have access to. But my concern is that we enter almost the slog of consoles that, that come out to where, like I said, that excitement and being able to see, you know, when a new console comes out and be able to make that, I guess you can say that standard definition, or, I mean, that standard HD and 4K change in graphics. I, I just feel I'm scared that that's going to be gone. I'm, I'm scared that that wow is going to be gone. And I think that's really what drives uh, not only the, just the console sales, but it also drives the video game sales as well. Hopefully that yeah. wasn't too long-winded. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, you know, one thing I think that 
has been commented on to to your point is that you know Microsoft has been very clear, and they've said this directly, that the Xbox One X, and this kind of goes back to the generation thing, but um, there's not going to be a, a, a follow-up to it anytime soon. Now, of course, you have no idea what that means, right? But they it, just the way they worded it, I, I think they're kind of making the same point, is that this console is going to be 4K ready. It does all the super sampling and all the other visual effects for people that are still at 1080p, faster load times. Um, it's going to be a number of years before we see the technology get to a point to where it can wow people beyond what the X1X is already going to offer. And PlayStation, or excuse me, Sony, has said the same thing. In fact, you know, the people who are on the Sony wagon, if you will, who prefer the Sony consoles, were saying, oh, Xbox One X is coming, but that just means Sony will release PlayStation 5 sooner. And Sony came outright last week and said, it's going to be a long time before you see PS5. Because I think they, they know the same thing, right? They know that to produce a console at a decent price um, in the next couple of years that's going to really substantially up the ante to uh, the Pro or X1X, it isn't, it's not feasible. So I think that um, I think they're, that point is kind of clear. So Yeah, I, I think that it is, um, or at least they've, they've made that point clear. But, you know, if I think back, I also remember them saying, you know, when the PlayStation 4 came out, I don't know if it was Sony or if it was Microsoft that had said it when the Xbox One came out, they said, well, we're moving into the era of 10 year console cycles. You know, and I'm like, man, that seems like a really, really long time. I don't know how in the world they're going to be able to do that. And, um, you know, you know, the market changes, you know, there's, you know, when you know, when the Xbox, 4, I mean, when the uh, PlayStation 4 came out, there was n no inkling in anybody's mind that there was ever going to be a pro. I, nobody would have ever thought at all that there would have been a pro. But, you know, why exactly did Sony decide to do that? So, you know, they upped the ante and, and I can almost say probably started, you know, this sort of arms race with Microsoft. Microsoft had to then answer it. Reminds me of, I don't know, like, you know, you know, Mustang and Camaro battles, you know, each one has to up the ante each generation. Um, it, sales and money talks. And if, you know, all of a sudden Sony were to start losing, you know, its sales advantage, it really wouldn't surprise me if they pushed up, you know, the release of the PlayStation 5. But it still goes to the point of if they're releasing incremental consoles that are, you know, um, evolutionary. I just feel that once they finally get to the point where they do release the five, I'm not exactly sure that there's going to be enough, I don't know, uh, enough of a leap at that point because of the incremental processing power of each of these consoles. I don't know if there's going to be enough of a leap, you know, to really continue to wow people. Because, I mean, beyond 4K, what else do we have? There's 8K. 8K, of course. Yeah. I, 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 yeah and, and yes, of course, there is 8K, but, but you know, gosh, I mean, yeah, I, I was, I was that, just that, mean, that might be 10, that may be 10 years away. Oh, yeah. at least, at least, yeah, that, at least. The, the current projections is that by 2020, so that's even another three years out, only 50% of households will have 4K TVs. Yeah. So I don't uh, have one. Yep. What the hell are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, I, my, my daughter I to go to, to jump college in really quick to, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then we can we can move to the next uh, I guess thought on it. I think a lot of what's actually driving Sony and Microsoft and and 
where we kind of are it's, uh, with the new consoles. I think it is the 4K and HDR technology that's kind of out right now. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really not sure if uh, hardware-wise, like console-wise, how much power we can really get out of consoles in general. I mean, we can't even pretty fa- pretty much fathom what the next Xbox and the next uh, PlayStation is going to be like from a hardware perspective. Because you know, I remember seeing some comparisons as to how strong the X1X is right now compared to the current PC market. And it's obviously not the top of the line in a PC gaming machine right now, but it is up there. Uh, it's not your middle of the line PC slash lower slash PC game right now. So it, I don't even know how much better we can get a PS5 right now and exactly what you're saying regarding technology and how much nicer it's going to look. Um, and, and one other thing is I know that when we did our Xbox 360 PS3 to the PS4 and Xbox One jump, there was a lot of people that were saying, wow, I don't really don't see too much of a difference. And what we saw was a lot more clarity to what actually is true 1080p gaming. We saw a lot more with uh, sound effects and, you know, uh, just reflections and things like that were a lot more improved. So the actual visual jump that people see from a naked eye was not as big as it was from a PS2 to a PS3 or an Xbox One, or let me take that back, original Xbox to a 360. Um, right. So I think we're going to start seeing more stuff like that where, I know, I know we joke about the load times, some people really can't stand that, but then we're going to see better pixel counts, we're going to see better sound effects, special effects that are happening from, uh, you know, reflections of guns or whatever i think that's going to be where we're going to start moving to because you know the human eye can only see so much um but i think that's where things are going to go in the future and i will tell you um when we first did the first generation of xbox one and ps3 uh, sorry ps4 games not too much of a jump but try to go back to today and look at the end of the cycle of 360 and ps3 to where we are in the current generation of games and it is pretty massive once i've done that and it's it's nuts um, and it wasn't at the beginning, so I think we'll see more of that as it moves on. Yeah, I think that those are things; those are great points that you make, and I also think that you know some of those things really matter to gamers, like big gamers like us. You know, we're going right. to notice. Oh wow, you know, look at how that explosion, you know, you know, sort of bloomed. It's so realistic, and you know, those are the things that we both are going to, that we're going to both notice and like truly appreciate. It, it remains to be seen whether or not the general public is is going to you know really care. Yeah, but you know, it, 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 yeah, it's I'm with you on that, Jordan. One thing yeah. that, that has been interesting, and sorry, Ainsley, my last oh, thing. No, I you're promise, good. You're I good. The the one last thing that I will say that has been interesting on the messaging from Sony and Microsoft um, is that the PS4 Pro and the X1X is not for everyone. I think they've gone both in. I remember the Sony, have, right. um, the Sony uh, conference when they initially announced it. They were like, "This is not for everybody. This is for people that are here." And I think they're doing that on purpose to kind of target that gamers um it's more for the hardcore fans like us so i completely agree with you jordan well i think they're also trying to manage expectations too yep yep you know of course i don't i don't think any of these guys know how well these you know how, how well is the x1x really going to do i mean i guess they'll find out with you know pre-sales numbers once they allow for pre-sales but i i, I gotta believe that they might be concerned about the adoption rate and whether people are going to kind of you know really gravitate towards this so they would like want to temper expectations, I think. And then, you know, uh, you know, as the saying goes, you know, under promise over deliver, if it ends up being a hit, you know, that's something that they could, you know, plaster all over the headlines. Yeah. So a um, couple points real quick. So um, to your point about a uh, mid to high level PC, Bert, so they did a, a study via Steam. So Steam tracks the hardware um, that all their players through Steam use. 
And when they compared it to the uh, X1X, it was something astronomical, like 96. The X1X will be more powerful than something like 96% of the PCs that people use to play games on Steam. So, of course, you have those those really hardcore PC guys that, you know, run the dual 1080 TIs and they're running, you know, mm-hmm. they can run 4K. at those you know, minority. Exactly. They can run 200 frames a second at 4K and not even blink an eye, you know, but uh, those are one or two percent of the market. It's very small. Most people are playing games on gaming laptops, older laptops, you know, older hardware. I have a gaming PC right behind me. This thing still has a, uh, oh God, I don't even remember the video card I put in there, but it's it's a few years old at least. So Um, the other point I was going to make was, um, you know, you guys touched on uh, the generational, the generational gaps and, and uh, Jordan, you brought up some good points around what happens to these uh, consoles, like what happens to the launch Xbox Ones. And I think I think how Sony and Microsoft are viewing it is the sense that because everything's forward compatible, right? Because no matter what comes after Xbox One X, that next Xbox will play all the games that played on Xbox One X, right? Microsoft has already kind of confirmed that. So really, it's, it's just price point that's going to the mean, you know, that's going to be everything. So you figure four years from now, the Xbox One X will still exist. It'll just be a $150, $200 console, right? And that'll be, maybe that's the ed- entry point to the Xbox ecosystem uh, for someone who's 16 and just got their first job or, uh, you know, a 12-year-old at Christmas or something like that. Um, whereas... Let me, let, me, let me quantify what I was, uh, qualify what I was saying. Uh, when I say what, what happens to the old hardware, so like for me, I'll use myself as an example. I've got two Xbox Ones in my house. Okay, so, you know, at the time when these came out, I got one downstairs for the big TV. I got one upstairs in, in, in my office. That's a pretty sizable investment. One of them has Connect. The one that's in my office doesn't have Connect. Um, so the new X1, X1X comes out. Okay, I, I don't think I'm going to get two of them because the one downstairs by the TV is still doing its job, and that's perfectly fine. But I'm, I am going to go, and I'm going to get another one. So by releasing these consoles incrementally and shortening the the stages what i'm saying is is that it devalues yep. your investment even faster yes yes okay so you know even if i were to i don't want to get rid of this now my my current you know xbox now because i'm still using it but once the x one x comes out this one that i have in my office is going to immediately like just plummet in value. So what do I do with it? You know, I, it, the market's going to be saturated, I think, with with these used ones. But then people are saying, well, why in the world am I going to buy a used one when I can go and buy, uh, you know, a brand, a, a brand new one, not a you know, just regular Xbox one, you know, new form factor or whatever for almost the same price. And it's brand new and I don't have to worry about any problems with it. Um, and you know, while I was talking, I was thinking to myself, well, really about the only thing that I could think of that these old Xboxes are going to be able to be used for, realistically speaking, is I think that it opens up, I hate to say this, but a market in maybe, you know, other countries or foreign countries where there are people that actually can't afford these gaming systems because for them it's it's really expensive. So I can see possibly some type of market, um, you know, arising from that. But my, my only point was, was that it devalues my, my, my Xbox right now. Trade-ins, I mean, EB is already, you know, <laughs> you know tr- trading in at GameStop, I said EB, but trading in at GameStop is already a ripoff, but now, you know, on top of this, you know, I'm not going to get anything <laughs> for these things, you know. You yeah. might get like $50, $75 for this thing at this point. 
Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right, um, and I agree with you. I, I the only thing I would say is that for people, and I'm I'm speaking for a minority. I realize that I'm speaking also just for myself because I'm fortunate enough to have the means. But um, you know, like upgrading to the X1X, and I, I fully agree with you that it's going to devalue, uh, especially the launch Xbox ones, right? The bigger form factor ones, right? But that's not really a concern to me. I see that as just merely part of any early adoption. You know, I'm typically nowadays an early adopter of everything. You know, um, I already have an OLED TV. I know, Bert, you just got one as well. And we know we're paying more today because we're getting in on that technology earlier. And, uh, you know, if I waited a year or two, that's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper. But it is what it is. I, I think that's for the percentage of people or for the people who are uh, upgrading their PCs, you know, as soon as a new video card comes out, they're upgrading to the latest and greatest. Uh, your your iPhone example was a, another good example. Um, anything new technology-wise, I think you, you should at least be smart enough to realize that you're paying more than someone is going to uh, pretty quickly afterwards, right? It, it's going to drop pretty quickly, so. Yeah, uh, to, 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 really quick joke, to keep you guys an idea of what an original Xbox one is going for like on craigslist right now you can probably grab one for about 130 140 on ebay they're going for about 100 to 120 depending if if you have a game with it or whatever so yeah and i don't even want to share how many xbox ones or ps4s i've bought since launch it's <laughs> Me, probably pretty sad. I, I, I did i did in my article last week and I, I when i actually thought about it i was like all right i'm buying the xbox one x that's going to be my fifth xbox one and it's been out for three and a half years so uh yeah what the hell am i doing, what, what am I doing? hey jordan to, to give you a heads up I, i'm actually giving my one of my launch xbox ones to a buddy of mine who has refused to go to the next generation because he plays one game on xbox 360 <laughs> so he's he's getting mine and i told him it's on loan and he's got to give it back to me once he's done so maybe you could do the same i don't know no well my plan is to take take mine i'm actually um you know gonna uh take mine to my school um, nice. and just hook it up, you know, to the television that's in there. And, you know, during, uh, you know, free times and things like that, maybe some of the students can, you know, during lunches or whatever, you know, students can come in and mess around with it in my classroom. That's a it's not going to be worth much. So I don't think anybody's going to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know either. I've, you know, somebody stole a butter knife from my, from my desk. So, <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, Jordan. Here's the trade in value for a GameStop. Yeah, maybe $75. See it at GameStop. Oh, $75? $60? $60, $60 for cash. There oh. you go. <laughs> wait, wait. That's $60 today. The Xbox One yeah. X isn't even out yet. So. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, $50. <laughs> so we're, uh, the train has come off the rails a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the only other thing I wanted to touch on was with regard to this is uh, developers. So if you think about developers, they've been very vocal. Um, and I think one of the reasons Sony and, and Microsoft started looking at this is because developers, by the end of the 360 generation, we did see developers getting more vocal about, hey, we're working on 10-year-old hardware here. You're killing us. You know what I mean? Because they're the majority of games now are cross-platform, right? They're, they're built for consoles and PC. They're used to building um, ultra settings on PC for that small you know, percentage of people that like it. But by the end of the 360 PS3 generation, even your average PC was well beyond what those consoles were. And so um, they've been very vocal about one, you know, getting consoles on a faster cycle than we saw on PS3 and X360, but 
also, they've been very vocal about loving the Xbox One X. Um, we saw some of the quotes during E3. The developers are like over the moon about it. Um, I don't know why I use that phrase so often. That's fucking weird. Um, <clears throat> but they, uh, <laughs> but they, um, yeah, they've been very vocal about their support of it. In fact, just yesterday, Cliff Blazinski, who you know everyone knows, he's in with his own studio now making Lawbreakers. He came out and just said the Xbox One X is awesome. He said, we're going to push it to its limit. He said, we're already maxing out the PS4 Pro 100% of utilization, and we plan to do the same for Xbox One X. So I think that that may have had at least a small hand in saying, you know, we're going to support developers. And I know Microsoft's been very vocal about that, is we're going to give developers the best tools, the best, uh, you know, the best everything to support them, and, and the result will be the best games and the best playing games. So... You know, I, I think that has a certain validity to the this whole discussion as well. Uh, it does, um, but I also think that a lot of that deals with, and again, I'm speaking specifically with the uh, the X One X, or you know, with Microsoft in general. I don't, I know that there was improvements on on the PlayStation, but you know, these consoles really are just PCs. You know, yes. in a different form factor that have yeah. that are integrated together in to where all the parts are specific towards running games and and their custom apps. So, you know, the, from the development side, I do know that the development on these consoles have been far far easier. Uh, you know, for developers for, for games compared to previous generations. I know the PlayStation Three was constantly you know, complain about how difficult it was in order to develop on that rig. Yeah, uh, and, you know, Sony listened and, you know, they changed, you know, that and they, and they made it better. So, you know, it would be interesting what they would be saying if, you know, if we go back and it was, this was a, a, a you know, the, the development process and tools for the 360 and the PlayStation 3, would they actually be saying, you know, that, you know, this is awesome stuff. I think that it just makes it so that, you know, from a resource standpoint, you, you know, since they're already doing a lot of these things, you know, on the PC, it, it reduces the amount of work and they can probably reuse a lot of the same assets, yes. you know, uh, that they're already using for cross-platform development. And that makes it easier and possibly even quicker for them and less resources because you don't have to hire people in order to, you know, uh, you know, do all of the resource allocation for the different uh, consoles and, and platforms. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And in fact, Microsoft, you know, you can kind of see their big vision, right? Because that was part of also bringing their games to PC is they already have um, Gears 4 and Forza Horizon 3 and all these other games that are cross-platform already with Windows 10. Uh, they already have full 4K versions built. They're ready to mm -hmm. go. You know, like Coalition has come out and said, day one, Xbox One X, you're going to get your update for Gears 4 and it's going to be, it'll blow you away because mm -hmm. it's ready to go. Um so um, yeah, and to that point, I think that Sony's missing an opportunity. Yeah, you know, I don't know what their plans are, you know, um, in in doing that, but you know, I think that they really need to start working on, you know, creating, you know, some form of cross-platform with the PC with a lot of their games, especially, you know, even exclusives. You know, because again, you know, if, if given the choice, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the X1X, but you know, I, there's a number of games that I would, you know, love to play on, on the Sony that I'm just not willing to make the investment in the rig. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Bert, what do you think on the kind of yeah, developer so person? I, 
Yeah, one thing I did want to mention about developers is um, I'm hoping that these Xbox One X games um, and PS4 Pro games continue to get the 4K 60 frames per second, even more than that support on their patches. Um, we've seen kind of a slow adoption rate from a lot of uh, developers on the PS4 Pro, and I hope that doesn't continue with the X One X. Um, but I, I, the other thing regarding it is um, I'm hoping we don't see a lot of these uh, locking of specific specs because the PS4 Pro may not have the power the X1X has. good example of that is Destiny 2. Um, we're going to be limited to 30 frames per second, which is kind of weird in the shooter realm today considering there's so many other uh, first-person shooters that are locked at 60 today before even the... Um, the updates of these consoles came out. So I hope we don't see a lot more of those uh, deals that are happening. A lot of people have blamed Microsoft on it without realizing that, um, you know, Destiny's has a, a deal with Sony, and that might be one of the main reasons why we're going to be locked at 30 on X1X also, even though X1X has the power to push it beyond that. Um, so I, I hope we see that, and I hope we see some patches that have some real changes with the power, because, uh, you know, Xbox and PlayStation will give developers the ability to do that and the ability to, um, you know, develop more from the hardware. It just is going to come down to developers if they push the, the, the consoles to that. So I hope we see that and I hope we don't see a lot of lockouts when stuff happens outside of first party titles. So if you want to lock something out from the first party side, do it all day, Sony and Microsoft. But if you're going to do something cross platform in the home console realm, please do not lock out stuff on stupid deals that you're doing with each other. Agreed. Yeah, I I don't think you want to pull our cords on Destiny 2. We don't have that kind of time today. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, and you know, one of the nice things um, that I complete, completely agree with uh, from Microsoft's stance, and I think Sony's the same way, to be honest. I'm not really sure. Um, but Microsoft, again, has been very clear to say that we are not mandating anything at all from the developers. You know, the developers will use the X1X how they want to use it, and the good developers will. Well, that, that may be a broad statement, but, you know, the what I would say, the good developers will take advantage as fully as they can, you know, uh, of the hardware. So we'll see. Um, all right. Well, we <laughs> we kind of talked for a little while on that. So uh, my last personal thoughts is um, just to sum up, going to be quick here. Um, I like it. I'm not overly concerned. I'm certainly not confused by it. I have a PS4 Pro. Um, I enjoy it. I'm really looking forward to the Xbox One X. And, uh, you know, we'll see what the next few years brings. But I think uh, I think it's going to be a good thing overall. So, uh, Bert, you want to sum up anything else on, on these uh, iterative console releases? Yeah, uh, I'll keep it short as well, just really quick. I, I like it, too. Um, I, I do have concerns here and there, the same as, as Jay and everybody else does. So I, I'm not blind and just going, and I can't wait to have it. But I, I think it's going to be good for people that, are, that have the technology at home to kind of take advantage of it and see the differences. Um, I just hope we we see what we're hoping to see um, from it, and not just another basic type of increment on, on improvement. So we'll see what happens. Though I'm excited. Cool, Jordan. Yeah, you know I, I like it as well. I mean, if if I didn't, I I, I wouldn't be uh, planning on investing in on one. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, a lot of the things you know are, you know, thinking ahead. You know, we really I I really don't know exactly what's going to happen. You know three, four, five years from now, generally speaking, the market will figure it out itself. Uh, but I just think these are interesting things to think about. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, we're probably going to have to start changing our perceptions um, in regards to how consoles are released. Um, but the, in regards to the actual hardware for the X1 uh, X itself, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Can't wait for it to come out. Very good. 
All right. So uh, one of the things we like to do here is uh, talk about any new collectibles or, you know, game related items that we've picked up recently. Um, if you're watching the video, you can see uh, next to me, I've had uh, a couple things that I got uh, this last week or last two weeks that I thought were kind of cool. Nothing major, of course, but just neat stuff. So right here next to me are the uh, the Cuphead plushies. So that's Cuphead and Mugman. Um, they're just little, uh, you know, little characters that you can have. Um, got them from the Yeti. So if you're looking to pick up these or some Cuphead related items, the Yeti is a site that has the license for Cuphead. So that's just like it sounds, the Y-E-T-E-E. -E. And uh, these are out there. I think they were $25 or $30 for the pair. And uh-oh. Uh um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I, I've said before, I'm a huge collector of game memorabilia and other stuff. I'm really, really excited for Cuphead. Um, so I thought those were cool. And then um, the new Halo Escalation book has come out. So... Uh, Escalation is Dark Horse Comics series, uh, talks a lot about, uh, or deals with a lot of focus on um, Sarah Palmer, who's one of the main characters in the Halo universe now, uh, and Dr. Halsey, and, and some things around that. I obviously won't get too much into it, but this is the second book um, that is kind of like an omnibus, if you will. So it's a collection of all these comics, and it has some other neat things, in it, you know, additional artwork and some annotations from uh, the writers and things like that. So that just came out this week, actually. Um, the retail price on it's pretty high. It's either 40 or $50. But if you go through Amazon or some other sites, you can find it for, uh, around 30, 35. So, um, yeah, those are a couple things I picked up this week. Got anything you want to share, Bert? Yeah, I actually, funny enough, I had ordered the, the Cuphead posters. I was hoping they'd be in, um, before we started shooting today, but they did not make it in. So I should be seeing them later on today. Um, they're the new special edition ones. They're the series two of, and I'll pretty much probably show those next time, even though they're time but they're really cool i was happy to get them series one's going for a ton online so i was lucky enough to find them still on the site for the series two special edition so got those um i did score a, a large 360 lot this week that was kind of funny um the only reason i picked them up is because i have some friends still playing on the 360 i'll be showing a picture of them um when we when i edit this back in so you'll be able to see the uh the picture here up on the right of what we got. Um, and the other thing, I was finally jumped into the OLED realm. So I was happy to finally get one of those. Um, if you haven't got one and you have the means to get one, get one. Uh, it, it's a must right now for gaming and what's coming in the near future. So that's it for yeah. me. No, no, nothing small, but big things <laughs> in the past few weeks. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've commented several times. There's obviously, you know, with PS4 Pro and now X1X, there's been a lot of discussion around 4K TVs. And I say the same thing every single time is what you just said. If you have the means and you can do it, don't skimp, go to OLED. Um, if you're unfamiliar with why people are saying that, you need to look up, do some research on just the technology. Um, I'm very clear to people that it is not just a new LED TV. It's actually completely different technology and it has some very very substantial advantages over your led tv so a lot of people love to talk about the uh the samsung 8000 and uh the vizio p series and some of these other which are great tvs great led tvs um but they are they are just not on the level of oled um so if, but of course oled is substantially more expensive and i get that so but anyway yeah simply fantastic um <clears throat> So, uh, you know, one of our favorite little segments we do here is uh, Season Reflection. So Bert and I will take a, a classic game that we loved and and kind of talk about it, let you know what it is and uh, and why we like it. So for Season Reflections this week, Bert, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so I got one that's going to kind of throw everybody off off the uh, their, their headphones or whatever and probably shake their head. <laughs> but 
I'm gonna bust out Seaman for the Dreamcast. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. So Bert Bert's done. I'll go ahead and move into mine. <laughs> yeah, so um in this in this part of our um our our podcast, we, we have kind of a funny thing is is it still playable today? The answer is no. It's it's not. <laughs> um what it was or this was more or the year before that or the year before that. <laughs> The reason that uh, I have this in my classic games that I got something out of was back in the day, this game was just amazing to me because of what it was. Uh, what came in the game was you had your you had your, your Dreamcast game, whatever, and I have it in my uh, con- uh, controller thing, but it came with a little thing that you could plug into the top of the Dreamcast. It was a microphone. <laughs> um, and you could... Uh, what, what the whole point of the game was you drop a seed into a fish tank and then it grows into this creepy looking dude. Um, and he can talk to you, you talk to him, you say a ton of things, and it was goofy as can be. The technology didn't work, um, it was horrible. But me and my friends had a great time with this, and when I was looking for season reflections, I was looking for something that was older and a lot of fun in whatever it was. Uh, don't look for the game, don't even try to hunt it out. Don't look on eBay. Uh, just watch the little video that I'm showing right up here in this little corner. Um, I'll try to find some fun stuff with people playing, but it was, it was, it is what it was. It was fun. So um, that's my season reflection for this week. What about you? Oh man, yeah, I, you know, big Dreamcast fan. I've said before I was a big Sega fan, and that game just still. Anytime someone brings it up, it makes me laugh because it was just a hilarious experiment. It was essentially an experiment, right? They were trying something new, which, which is great. I think that's that's the good part of it. But in terms of software, man. Um, so to kind of celebrate the uh, Xbox backwards compatibility with original Xbox games, I picked an original Xbox game this week. Sadly, I don't think it's going to be one that we see playable on the Xbox One. And I, I I, think because the developer I don't think is around anymore. And it actually had licensed music in it, which we know is one of the holdups of using older games is when uh, it has licensed music and that license has run out. So sadly, but for xbox fans um they'll know this game other people won't but i am going with kung fu chaos um kung fu chaos was a absolutely hilarious game so it was from one to four players and essentially it was almost like uh, if you remember power stone on the dreamcast or if you think about a uh, smash brothers on a different plane where smash brothers is a flat 2d plane this was more isometric um, but was what was really neat about it is you had these different classes and uh, four people would go in and you would you know be fighting, but it was treated like a um, like a '70s martial arts movie. So there was a director who was kind of like uh, yelling at you the whole time and and making silly statements, and then as you were fighting, you would kind of destroy the whole set, and you would move throughout the level, and the set would kind of change. Um, as you played so the you know the level would change and you would continue fighting and fighting and fighting and you would a match would last you know something like five minutes or something like that and then at the end the director would yell cut and the the coolest thing about it was you would then watch like a, a classic movie reel which would show highlights from the match almost like you were watching a kung fu film so i thought it was really innovative a lot of uh original xbox owners view it fondly as as i do and uh, I really wish that um, we would get a new game in that vein, especially nowadays with online. You know, there was no online compatibility for that. That was before Xbox Live, if I if I remember correctly. Um, 
So you had to play local co-op, which was a blast, but it would just be so hilarious if you could log into like Xbox Live and play this four players online. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know if you ever played it, Bert. I did. I actually have it. Um, I have it over there in my uh, Xbox game. So it was one of my favorite games back in the day, too. And it was a blast to play co-op. Me and my buddies played it. I should probably bring that out to play with my with my buddies uh, the next time we get our Xbox out to do that. That's, that's a great game. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was, it was so much fun. So. All right. So anyway, um, kind of a long episode, um, but we covered a lot. And uh, just want to say, you know, thank you, as always, uh, to anyone tuning in. So as I always say, um, we do this for fun. Uh, we don't have any ads or filler, and uh, we really hope you enjoy the content. Um, on the site right now, I put up a fact uh, or frequently asked questions article around the Xbox One X. So if you're confused about anything we talked about today regarding the uh, PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, um, or if you just want a little more information on it, that's out there now. And that's been kind of spread around, which is, is pretty neat to see. Um, as always, you can find these big casts on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And um, you can find us on uh, on the site, obviously. We have a Facebook group, uh, just a mature kind of discussion group. If you'd like to join that, please find us out. That's Season Gaming and Groups on Facebook. And as always, uh, you can find us on Twitter. So I'm Portia Power. Bert is Treb M3. And uh, just thanks again. Appreciate it.